So, um, like some of you, I spent the bulk of my growing up in the 80s. Some of you didn't. Some of you were like, that is ancient history. Um, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago, right? But it was. It, it was a long time ago. And um, we have circled back around to where some things have made a comeback. Um, case in point, scrunchies. This is a good thing. I like, I have a scrunchie down here. Um, I love scrunchies, so I was really happy when they came back. Now, acid wash jeans are another story. I'm not so sure about those, and um, you probably won't see me in any, but those are back, believe it or not. It's been fun to go back to school shopping with my girls and walk through Target and say, um, I had jeans just like that in like 1987. So they love that, I'm sure. In fact, um, I can hook them up with some great 80s uh, outfits, I guess. Sometimes at school they have like these throwback days. And so a few years ago they had 80s day at Emma's school. And let me show you what, what we got. Some of you are like, I don't know what that is. But some, Chrissy is like, oh, yeah, I had that shirt. Uh, So back in the day, if you'll remember, um, malls were really popular. Now, malls have tumbled since then. You go in there, it's like a ghost town. But back then, my parents would drop us off for hours at a time. The mall was our babysitter, which is probably why they don't allow kids to just hang out at the mall anymore. But the mall was our babysitter And so we would go and we would hang out for hours. And my favorite store in the mall was a sticker store. Yeah, right? It was an entire store of stickers. They had stickers on the wall on, like, you could roll it out and be this long thing of stickers. Or they had packets of stickers. it It was a middle school girl's dream come true. Walls and walls of stickers. They had everything from teddy bears to, like, Bon Jovi stickers. I opted for the Bon Jovi stickers. And um, so I I actually had a friend named Ben, Ben Wise. Maybe he's out there somewhere. Ben Wise, I haven't seen you since fourth grade. Ben Wise had a binder of stickers that were beautifully unused. He had them in little pockets, like baseball cards. He had these stickers so that he could trade them, like this underground sticker ring. It was amazing. Me, on the other hand, I was the kid that I was like, this is a sticker. I'm going to stick it to something, right? And so I was sticking my stickers on all kinds of things. You know, I stick them on the windows, and I would stick them on the furniture, and I would stick them on my trapper keeper, and I would just anywhere there was a surface, I would stick these stickers. My parents did not love this because stickers are hard to remove. Now, stickers have made a comeback, too. If you saw Henley's water bottle, it's got stickers all around it. 
Um, they're a little high-tech now. Um, but let me show you. You guys will appreciate this. I bought myself a sticker. Can you see what it is? It's Mr. Rogers. And so Mr. Rogers is going on my car. Um, on my car. Now, to put something on your car, that's kind of a commitment, right? Taking it off of your car isn't easy. It'll take the paint off. You know, it's a whole thing. In fact, you really want to think about it. You don't want to go into this relationship with a sticker lightly because you never know how the person behind you may or may not react to said sticker on your car. So you really want to think about the things that that you put on your car, right? But a window cling. Have you seen these things? Now, a window cling. Finn, where's Finn? Come here. Finn, the birthday boy. A window cling is different. Now, I'm not going to stick Mr. Rogers on here because he's being saved for a greater purpose. Will you put this... Will you try to stick that on there? Have you seen these things? A window cling. How nice. I mean, you can put that on there, and it is pretty noncommittal, right? That's a good thing on a car or on a window that you want to decorate. My hands are a little sweaty. Can you stick it back on there? Thank you. Look at that. All right, everyone give them a hand. My, my Vanna White, you can go sit down. He was like, is that it? You want me to preach? You know, if you get tired of a window cling, it's really easy to replace it, right? Um, you don't have to scrape off the residue. It's a breeze. Peel that guy right off. Now, here's the thing. Stickers and window clings serve pretty much the same purpose. Uh, They communicate something. They're out there for the world to see. But there is, there's a difference. The difference is that stickiness factor. The difference is the integrity of its holding power. Now, we've been spending quite a bit of time in the Sermon on the Mount lately. And I hope that these powerful words of Jesus have worked their way into our hearts and in our minds. And I hope that it's affecting the way that we live. It's in these words that we see what kind of kingdom Jesus is establishing. We see vividly the character of God, and also we begin to see the world we live in through a lens that's much different than what we may have expected. I believe that these words shine a bright light on our hearts and our motivations. I think it's super easy, um, I think it's really easy to hear Scripture and use it to point at others in judgment. 
But I don't think that we can read these words and hear these words without realizing the areas of growth that are needed, the maturity that's still needed in our own faith. If it's not doing that, we're not hearing them. So today, we get to a passage in the Sermon on the Mount that's pretty straightforward. I mean, it seems it is, but I will tell you there's quite a bit to unpack. Hear these words of Jesus from Matthew 5. You have also heard that our ancestors were told, you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. But I say, do not make any vows. Do not say by heaven, because heaven is God's throne. And do not say by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Do not even say by my head, for you can't turn one hair white or black. Just say a simple, yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. So I believe that this is a case for a little bit of digging, don't you think? What in the world is Jesus talking about here? In these passages, the the few that you've already gone through and then a couple after this week, Jesus is saying, you have heard dot, dot, dot. But I say, you have heard, but I say. Actually, in the Greek, it's funny. It's um, when you say "I say," it's "ego lego." So next time you see an ego, I want you to think about that. Um, that is saying "I say," and and Jesus didn't have to do that because back in that language, it wasn't necessary. But he wanted to emphasize that this is a different thing. I want you to hear this. Jesus is talking about and teaching and establishing the heart of the law that they knew. But even more than that, Jesus is establishing himself as the law. But what does that mean? What does it mean? I mean, that Jesus is the law. You see, people then would have known all of this. Many of them would have had it memorized. They would have known the law that was given by Moses a long time ago, a long time before that. And we can read those words in Numbers in the Old Testament. And this is what the law of Moses says. This is what the Lord has commanded. A man who makes a vow to the Lord or makes a pledge under oath must never break it. He must do exactly what he said he would do. Right, so that is the law of Moses. And God had given that law through Moses, but at this point, at this point, people were using the law to their own advantage. They were finding loopholes. They were swearing by all kinds of things and then finding ways to get out of those promises if they didn't want to fulfill them. They were lying. They weren't following through on commitments. It was as though they had their fingers crossed behind their backs. Their promises weren't promises at all. They were 
window clings. They didn't have integrity. They weren't trustworthy. Here Jesus says, all the promises you make are actually before God. You make them before him. Every single promise you make. When you break your promise, when you don't do what you say you'll do, you lose integrity. And you become a liar like Satan. Whoa. I mean, those are harsh words, Jesus. They're tough words to hear. A couple thousand years later, I think we still need to hear them. Integrity. Trustworthiness. Jesus is speaking to us now. That what you say you'll do matters. Who you say you'll be matters. Everywhere in every circumstance. Because the strength of your holding power means something. Your integrity means something. In fact, it might be what other people are looking at more than anything in your life. Is your word a sticker? Or is it a window clean? I hear it. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that unless uh, something better comes along. I'm in, unless it gets difficult. You can count on me until I lose interest. It's happening in families, in marriages, in ministries, in the church, in the workplace, between friends. Yeah, you can count on me. Maybe not so much. Before long, what happens to a window clean kind of promise is that all the integrity wears right off. And eventually it won't stick at all. Jesus is calling us, his followers, to honesty and to faithfulness and trustworthiness and real integrity. Because love, my friends, is not dishonest. Love lives out truth. Believe me, there is nothing that can ruin your Christian witness more and faster than not doing what you'll say you'll do or being who you say you are. With today being family worship, I think about the next generation. I'm thinking a lot about how Christianity is is viewed as a whole. And I think it's easy. You know, we can blame the media. We can blame Hollywood. Um, we can blame them for a lack of interest in the faith. Because, you know, Christianity is portrayed in certain ways, and it's easy to write that off because that's not true. I mean, that's not me. 
So that's not true. It's easy to ignore those stereotypes, right? Just write them off. What happens, though, is that when we ignore those things, we fail to see the truth in it. Not all of it is true. Some of it is. The integrity as a whole, my friends, seems to not have much stickiness to it. And that feels really overwhelming because that's a lot of people. It's a lot of people to point fingers at and um, say, ooh, that's you. So what do we do? What do we do when it's bigger than what we think we can handle? Well, we do what we can do. And what we can do is we can look at our own lives and how we are living our lives in front of others. Are we stickers? Or are we window clings? We're window clings when we say we love others but fail to care about their well-being. We're window clings when we make a commitment but we don't show up. We're window clings when we allow our political views to inform the way we live out our faith. We're window clings when our words don't match our actions. We're window clings when our Facebook comments, shares, and lives don't look like who we claim to be. We're window clings when our inward life doesn't match our outward actions. This is not new information. You and I both know that our integrity matters. We know that what we say and do, well, it matters. But here's where it takes a deep dive. In this passage, (laughs) Jesus is reiterating that he is the law. He is the standard. He is the example. And when we say that we are Christian, we claim the life of Christ as our own. But so many of us, so many of us, have equated being Christian with sometimes showing up at church or saying certain words or belonging to a certain group. And that's not it. I just wonder, I wonder how we would be seen differently, how our faith would impact the next generation if we could what if we just allowed the actual life of Jesus to be the standard what could happen if our words spoke the love of Jesus what could happen if we showed up for others consistently and sacrificially what could happen if The compassion of Jesus was the stance of our actions. How could that impact the world? How could it impact our community? And friends, how could it impact our homes? Jesus had harsh words to say for those listening, and we're among them. But I want you to hear this. 
Jesus would not have spoken these words if he didn't have a radical optimism for those who would take on his life as their own. He wouldn't expect these things of you and me and all of his followers if he didn't back it up. He wouldn't say do this if he didn't send the power of his very self, the Holy Spirit. Because through the Spirit is how we have the ability to live out the life of Jesus in our world. I don't know about you, but I, I want a faith that's sticky. Like, can't scrape it off the window, sticky. I want a faith that sticks when the world turns upside down, when I'm hurt, when I'm disappointed, when I'm grieving. I want a faith that's sticky when storms come, and when I'm tired, and when I just don't want to show up. There's a book um, by Kara Powell, and it's called The Sticky Faith Guide for Your Family. It's a great book. Um, But in this book, she quotes a study that was done of thousands of young people And this is what this study concluded, okay? The best general rule of thumb that parents might use to reckon their children's most likely religious outcomes is this. We'll get what we are. Now, she went on to say, take this with a grain of salt. People choose their own paths, but hear this. She emphasized this. Your strategy for developing a sticky faith family starts by assessing the vibrancy of your own faith. Or as Brene Brown would say, be who you want your kids to be. Or for every other person in the room, young and old, be who you want others to become. I don't think any of us want to be fake. We want to be authentic, real people. We don't want to flake out. But it does seem a little overwhelming. I mean, it's easier. It's easier to put on our window clean face, and when it serves us, we'll we'll show it. But when it doesn't, we're going we're just gonna we're just gonna take that off. That's easier, it seems, until the storm comes. Faith integrity matters. I really believe that knowing Jesus is what will make a difference for the world we live in. Do you believe that? Do you believe that if people really knew Jesus, it would make a difference in their lives? Um, I think some of us struggle with really knowing Jesus, though. Because we can't know someone we don't spend time with. And we can't become something we don't pay attention to. And 
we can't be the hands and feet of Jesus if we don't look at the places he walked and the people he touched. We can't be discipled by someone we don't listen to more than anything or anyone else. I've, I've said it before, but are you being discipled more by the news channel or Facebook or by Jesus? Where is your time spent? So if Jesus is our standard for living, the standard for our inner and our outer lives, how can we know him better? I want you to, if you if you have paper, um, maybe write these down. If not, um, try to remember these questions that I want you to ask yourself. And I'm doing the same self-assessment, believe me. Do I have the vibrant faith that I hope the next generation will have as adults? Do others observe me living out my faith at home, in my community, online? The question has been asked, if I were on trial for being a Christian, what would be the evidence? Am I a person of integrity in every area of my life? Where am I window clinging it? Do I make the cultivation of my faith a priority in my schedule? Am I allowing others to help me grow in my faith? Those those are questions that are Well, I need to take some time with them. But then there's the next step. I want you to think about and and even write down what are one or two things that I can start doing now. Now, my next step, my next right thing. What can I do to cultivate becoming more and more a person of faith integrity who lives outwardly and inwardly the faith that I profess? This is for every single person. There is not one person in this room or online who doesn't need to do this. What are a couple of things that I can do to cultivate becoming more and more a person of faith integrity who lives outwardly and inwardly the faith I profess. Um, I believe that 
when we allow ourselves to truly be discipled by Jesus, and as our lives begin to match his character, y'all, the corners of our world are going to change. The corners of our little world, maybe at work, in our homes, in our church, as we begin to be discipled more and more by Jesus and let him do the work that only he can do, and we open ourselves up to trusting him to do it, and we allow other people into our lives to help us grow in our faith, and we make our faith development a priority, this world will change. This world will change. But we've got to start here and allow Jesus to do the work. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I want to be a person of faith integrity. I want you to form me. I want your voice to be the voice that is louder than any other in my life. Jesus, I want your character to be so evident in my life that it can't be mistaken as anything else. I know how many times I've messed up. I wonder how many times my own integrity has failed in some way that has affected the life of someone else. And Jesus, I don't want that to happen anymore. I pray that we as a church community will give ourselves so completely to the work that you want to do in our lives that it starts to change everything around us. That our neighbors will be able to see something different. That our friends at school will see something different. That the mechanic will see someone different. That the cashier will see someone different. Because, Jesus, all we can do is look at ourselves. And when we look at ourselves and we shine that light on our hearts and in our minds, sometimes we know that if you're the standard, we fall so short. And yet... (laughs) You love us so much. You never give up on us. You continue to work on our hearts. And so I surrender my life for you to do whatever it is that you want to do with it so that I have a faith that is sticky, that doesn't just fall away when things get hard or when I want to give up. That's the kind of faith I want. 
And I pray that for my friends here today. I pray that their faith will be so strong that it sticks in such a way that people around just can't figure it out. We trust you with our lives and we give them to you. Help us. Help us to be faithful in how we respond with our lives. We love you. Amen. 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 Man, I'm reminded, um, you know, for those of you guys who don't know, I, I started recently a new job. And um, I could have easily just kind of went out there and, you know, told everybody, hey, I just want to let you know I'm a Christian. But I actually took pleasure in letting it seep out slowly, like just letting people notice it. And so it's just so cool that, like, you know, one person would realize after a time of hanging out with me at work. And then all of a sudden, somebody that I barely even knew at work, they'd come to me, they'd be talking, and they would slip up and say something maybe they shouldn't have said. And they'd be like, oh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, my bad. And I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, just, I, I know how you are, you know, I know you're a Christian. It's like, oh, wow. So it's very nice to, you know, uh, not to my own horn. I know I need some more work, but, you know, it's nice, it's nice to, um, you know, to see how a sticky faith looks like where, you know, sometimes people could just look at you and say, man, well, what, what's so different? And it just kind of sticks to them to where in the end, I, I don't even say, I don't put any rules out for nobody. And, uh, and they're like, oh, sorry. Hey, no, I shouldn't say that. I'm not going to. And it's like, I didn't say anything. And so uh, let's be reminded this week to be a sticky group of Christians. Um, we get to then this next part of the service here, we call it communion. And um, it's, it's a really, you know, especially when it comes to, um, you know, what Jen was talking about. This is the time of the service where we get to participate uh, in an act of that Christians participate in a sticky one shall I say and so just as a reminder um, you know you it, you don't need to be a member here at the church we here at Porter Church of Nazarene and the church of Nazarene doesn't require for you to be a member uh, because this is an act of the body of Jesus Christ and no matter what denomination you are or, or where you come from or if you're a member here at this church you are a part of the body of Jesus Christ as we all work together and um you know, Garen's been asking me for a few Sundays now, you know, hey, can you, can you do this? You know, would you, would you do communion? I said, well, I, I feel like I need to study up on it more. I need to, you know, you know, I need to, I need to know it. I need to know exactly every, all the ins and outs. And so, uh, you know, I said, you got to let me know a week in advance. And so he told me last week, hey, look, you're going to be doing it next week. And I said, okay, good. And as I dive into the studies and I start to look into it, I realize how simple it is. I'm like, man, this is so simple. Sometimes, you know, you think when you're, when you're, when you're sitting down, you know, you think, wow, it's, it's such a crazy situation. But it's just such, such a simple task that we're about to participate in. And so if you guys haven't yet, um, you know, you can. We have some communion elements there in the back. And so if you, if you want to take some time to, uh, uh, you know, get up and get over there and uh, grab those, then you can. If you are online, just know that if you do want to uh, get any of these, we can, we'll find a way to get them to you. So please email us. Uh, let us know that you would like to get some of these, and we could you could either come by and pick them up, or we could even bring them to you uh, in a safe way. Uh, but as I, I want to pull up the scripture here for you real quick, and this is what caught my eye as I, you know, was in my studies. You know, when you, when, a lot of times when we take communion, and I love that we take it every single week. Some people ask the question, why do we take it every single week? Well, because it's a time. Why not? Why not? And you know, it it looks. 
sometimes it looks a little different. And so as I, most of the time, though, when we step into communion, we're always looking back at Jesus and, and what he did. You know, where he sat down with his disciples and he told them, he said, this is my body which is broken for me and my blood which is spilled out. Take this and remember it to me. But as I was in my studies, I, I, I looked at the end of what he said and I realized, you know what? I said, we, we don't ever think of communion. A lot of times we don't think of communion as the future. As not only to what, look, what to look back towards, what Jesus did for us but to look for what he's coming to do. And so I want to read this to you. Uh, let me just read this, and then, and then, and then I'll tell you what, what God has spoke to me about this, um, this time here. While they were eating, Jesus took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out, for many, uh, for many, for your forgiveness of sins. I tell you, now this is what got me here. He says, I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it new with you in my, in my Father's kingdom. And so, as we take part in communion this morning, we are reminded not only what Jesus has done, and what he is doing now in our lives, but for what we are to wait for. That we're waiting for the time that we are able to take communion with him and his father's kingdom. And so if you will with me, we give thanks to Jesus who's given his body for us. And we remember him. For his blood that was shed. And he says, I, I won't take it again until I see you with my father in his kingdom. One day, you know, we remember him now, but one day we're going to be with him. We remember him now. Father, what an encouragement that we get to participate in here and now. Where, Lord, we get to remember not only what you've done, but, Father, we get, to re- we get to think on what is to come. That, Lord, one day we will all be with you. Lord, that all of our questions will be answered. And we'll truly understand what communion really is to be with you. So for now, we do it in remembrance of you, Lord, and as an encouragement for what is to come. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand with me. It's been great to see you today. Um, If you're visiting with us, we sing our benediction. And so I'm going to invite you. You're welcome to just hear it and receive it, or you're welcome to join in if you want. But will you sing with me as we leave today? We sing hallelujah, let your kingdom come in our hearts in our homes let your will be done as we go in your name we shout and we proclaim let your will be done in us have a great week go and be sticky